0: You're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide, a podcast where we discuss life, music, and spirituality. I'm your host, Eric Taumur. All right. Well, hey, it's time for part two of my conversation with Rhoda Nazanin. You know, I had a decision I needed to make this time around. The conversation was nearly long enough to make this into a three-part conversation and then continue to do all the little segments that I do in this podcast and that I enjoy. And I think, hopefully, you enjoy as well. But this time, I decided there was no good place to stop the conversation. So I just made it one long conversation. So I'm not going to do the all-time 10 in this episode. I'll release the the uh, companion episode on Sunday. It'll be top 10 rhythm guitar players in classic rock history. Look for that. And I'm not going to do the little mini series, uh, Love God with All Your Heart, Soul, Mind and Strength. I just want to get right in to the conversation with Rhoda because it was kind of deep and kind of personal. And hopefully it touches your heart or helps you because she discusses some things that she went through. And I think a lot of us go through it. Those dark times, those depressing times, those times when we think maybe life isn't worth living. Well, you do have people around you. Who will miss you who love you and if you are going through something I need you I want you to reach out you feel free to reach out to me I'm all over social media links are in the description below Instagram Facebook email me I will get back with you and if you don't have someone to talk to reach out to me if you do have someone to talk to reach out to them but talk to somebody well okay here we are Part number two with Rhoda All right. Why don't we dig in a little bit more to your in ministry and how I got to know you. you. You were introduced a lot as the first, what is it?
1: First credentialed Iranian woman in the United States and in the world.
0: (laughs) So that's a big deal. Yeah. In two ways. I was thinking about this on the way here. It's a big deal that it was you, which is great, but it sucks that it was in the 2000s that that was something that still hadn't happened. Right. You know, I'm like, where are we? Mm -hmm. When are we?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: we try to be pretty progressive in some ways, but I see us just not getting there and so many others. Right. So tell me about that journey of like becoming credentialed and how that affected and shaped you and, and then what you did, you know, for a while in ministry, and then we'll go from there.
1: Sounds good. Um, well, the journey definitely was not easy. Being in the Iranian community, in, in the church community, specifically pastors, leaders, ministers, are usually men. And that's cultural for the most part. The interesting part is that even the United States, that was not okay. And not that it wasn't okay, it was just kind of not accepted. It was just taboo. Like, what, a woman as a lead pastor a woman credentialed that's biblical no that can't be um I got a lot of opposition I I just wanted to study theology I wanted to um I I wanted to serve in the church I wanted to help people and I knew that I needed a better understanding of the the Bible so I wanted to study Christian theology and I had been you know taught that women can't be pastors. That was just something that was said. And even when I brought it up saying that I'd like to, you know, maybe possibly pursue my credentials, my own family was just like, why? There's no room for a woman to be a pastor. You could be a Sunday school teacher, worship leader. That's fine. Why, why do you want to get credentialed? You don't know. And, and that actually fueled me even more, like, like, engulfed this passion in me that, you know what, I'm sure I'm not the only one. And my best friend Carolyn and I were kinda in the same boat and it was just like, we're gonna do this. We're gonna get a lot of opposition, but we're gonna do this together and we're, we're gonna study and just see where this road takes us. So we started studying and every time we talked about it, the conversation was not encouraged. Um, it wasn't supported with our family members or their church members. Until we finished our studies and it, we, were, we started our application process with the Assemblies of God. We sent in our applications and slowly we started to see the transformation where um, within our own family and friends that they were supportive. Thankfully, in the Assemblies of God, we had a lot of people who encouraged us, continuously told us to keep going, you know, we're standing behind you, but there was still opposition you know, at home. Until we, you know, our paperwork got submitted, we passed our tests, uh, really good, you know, high grade. I think we both got A's like 92, 96 or something. And um, everything was in the clear and then we got our certifications um, and Carolyn got her license. Uh, sent to us and that's when our families our friends our church was standing behind us they were so excited and you know this, our district office at the Assemblies of God was just like so thrilled that this journey had started you know yeah. that we opened a door for other not just Middle Eastern but other ethnic groups that might felt feel like women can't be you know credentialed and so that journey was tough. I mean, I just said it like it was, you know, it just happened. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was, there were days that I would cry. I would say, like, well, I don't understand why I can't. I right. don't get it. And and I just kind of was like, I don't care what people say, and I don't care what people think in our community. That's a no-no. Fine by me. I'm going to go. more. Welcome to you know the 2000s. We're in America. Things are different. I'm going to do this. And so it was great, and it opened a door for other women who are They have this desire. They they don't want to get credentialed. They just want to study theology. Mm -hmm. They just want to get a deeper understanding of the Word of God. They want to, you know, use it to teach others. And we opened the door to other women who, you know, who wanted to study. And so through Global University, we set up a, a Persian or Iranian Bible college. Okay. And so we enroll people not just from the States, but even abroad, um, And it was great. And it was it was men and women, young and old, who just wanted to study and pursue pursue that calling that they had. So, it was it was exciting. It was I, it was I just felt excited because, finally, it happened. And it wasn't because it was me, or if it was it was my best friend, or it was you know, it was just finally like we opened this door. Yeah, it's a moment. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's what dawned on me on the way here me being the asshole that i am which what that means is i'm just selfish i think about me most of the time so i never really thought about your journey before i was driving here mm-hmm. to talk to you about <laughs> this you know and i was thinking holy crap the fact that someone younger than me you know still in kind of my generation you're is the first person to have gone through this i was like wow we've I'm so excited, Mm -hmm. but wow, I wish that would have happened earlier. Right. You know?
1: I mean, just to kind of give you a little bit more detail, like my father, for example, he studied his credentials and became ordained in Iran. And also through the Assemblies of God, he did his, like a lot of the books that I was reading and preparing for, my mom was like, oh yeah, your dad read these. And I read them with him. I took these classes with him. And I was confused. I'm like, wait, if you took these classes, why aren't you credentialed? She said, well, because they wouldn't um, ordain women at that time. And that was... was, So my mom, at this point, has studied everything that I studied. But because in, what, the late 70s, early 80s, they wouldn't... They just, no, women women cannot be behind a pulpit.
0: Man, things have changed.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm trying to a lot of things have changed for the better yeah but people get nervous with any kind of change because they think it changes the story of christ somehow right well the bible said this in the 50s it still says that well yeah but our culture and the way we approach things Mm -hmm. is so different totally i think people look at the things jesus said or the things the apostle paul said and want to, uh, you got to wonder what would culturally in, you know, 2018 in the United States, how would Paul have approached some of the things he said? Because they're taken pretty much at face value, right? like head coverings for women. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean how to identify a prostitute in that particular city? Right. You know, that's what he was talking about. Right. Now, now, how you do it is drive down Western at one o'clock in the morning on right. a Friday.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. like, oh yeah, their heads yep. are uncovered <laughs> Yep. and the rest of them. Oh my Lord. <laughs> uh, so that's how you identify them in Los Angeles anyway. Right. And so I think Paul would have been like, Hey, I don't think he would have mentioned head coverings Mm -hmm. in 20, you know, 2018. It's so important to look at the culture. It's so important to look at the history. It's so Mm -hmm. important to look at what's going on when you're interpreting any ancient text, scripture, scripture, or any other religious text or any historical text. Anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah. Um, and we could go down that rabbit hole forever, but I want to talk about you (laughs) because you are the lady of the hour. Oh, All right, so... I'm the
1: first lady to be on your podcast.
0: The first one. Yeah, well, you're you're the first lady to do a lot of things. But, you know, in my defense, this podcast is one month old.
1: Still, I feel special. Don't take that away from me. Oh, I'm not trying to take it
0: away from you. I'm just trying to defend myself. I get you. Um, Yeah. Now, as soon as I... I've been thinking about doing this podcast for six months to a year. Mm -hmm. Um, People have given me a little flack about the title... Mm-hmm. And they're like, I wish you would think about it a little bit before you do it. And I'm like, well, I have thought about it. Yeah. And I think the, I think all humanity boils down to, let's just not be assholes to each other. Right. But anyway, the reason I brought that up, I've been thinking about this podcast for a long time. When I first read your social media post about, I think I'm going to not be ordained right now or mm-hmm. credentialed right now for this season, whatever that looks like. I was like, I want to talk to her mm-hmm. and I want to do it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of course, we only need to go where you want to steer it, mm-hmm. but, and, and I'll interject and, and talk about my experiences as well. Yeah. So the entire time I lived in LA, you've been involved. I moved here in 2005. Were you already credentialed at that point? Or when did... No,
1: I got credentialed in 2013.
0: 2013. I spent a lot of years not being real involved with the network or the district because I was so involved in the group I was involved in. And Mm -hmm. I worked for someone who was like, I'm... I'm basically all you need. I'm your conduit to everything outside of here. So mm-hmm. so he was like, have you ever held up a quarter to the sun? And we're like, oh, see, the quarter blocks out the sun.
2: Right.
0: A narcissist is a quarter that blocks out the sun. Right. So I wasn't really heavily involved. But once I got involved in the network, you were there. Mm-hmm. And I saw you at, I, I met you at, and Carolyn both at a missions thing up in Venturas when I first met you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as far as I knew, you know, you guys were just always there, and were the cool kids on the block, and I'm like, uh, you know, kind of took me back to high school or middle school. I was like, am I allowed to go up and talk to these cool kids, <laughs> you know, but you guys were all, all, always there, and mm-hmm. so, and you were involved, and in the under-40 ministry, and in women's ministry, being the first Persian woman credentialed in the world with the Assemblies of God had to be kind of a burden when you decided to say, I'm done for now. Mm-hmm. So walk me through whatever you want to walk me through with that.
1: It's funny because the year that I got credentialed, and you know, it was basically everywhere that I would show up, whether it was a small gathering, a meeting, or a conference, it was mentioned. It was a big deal. And at one meeting, I'll never forget, and I will not mention who said this, um, someone introduced me, like, oh yeah, this is Rhoda and Azzanine. She's the blah, 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 blah. And then we all, I was like, yeah, they're like, everyone's like, congratulations, this is great. I was like, yeah, thanks, thanks. And then this individual turned around, like, well, don't mess it up for the rest of them. And that comment stuck with me. I, and I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, like, I have to hold this title. I, next, I got to get licensed. Then I gotta get ordained. I need to plant a church or become a missionary. I gotta do stuff so that this encouragement that's there for women, you know, it continues. Like, there's this burden.
0: It has to have been a white dude. It was
1: a white person. A white person.
0: (laughs) It's like, I don't feel any pressure to not screw it up for other white guys.
1: Mm. It was interesting. I I, I wouldn't expect, because there's another ordained minister, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just kind of like, wow, okay. Cool. And at that time, you know, you're just getting started. You're, I had been part of the Assemblies of God since I was born. Mm-hmm. My parents were AG ministers from the beginning. And so when we came to the States, we were immediately involved with the Southern California Assemblies of God district office. And so when I went into youth ministry, I connected. So I've always been part of the AG family. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at the AG office in SoCal. I felt like that this is my community as well. I just I connected so well, and here I am now credentialed, and I'm like, "Of course I'm not going to ruin this. Of course I'm going to run with this." but I had no idea what was, in, what was in store for me in the coming years, in my personal life, in my ministry. In 2015, two years after I got credentialed, in my personal and ministry life connected together, things hit the fan. <laughs> to say the least. Things got really ugly for me in my personal life, and which led to me not being in a healthy place to be part of a leadership team. I recognized it immediately, and I stepped down from my position. Held on to my credentials for another year or so, but those that year and a half was just hell for me. Hmm. I slipped into depression yeah. um, for a year. I just thought I was just sad. Mm -hmm. until 2017 I just things got ugly for me I I felt isolated I felt alone I felt like at one point I had so many people around me and then here I am struggling personally I didn't know who my friends were anymore I didn't I was struggling with my family all these things were happening and I just felt like a failure I felt like I was at a point where people would not understand where I'm at, who I am, what I'm dealing with, and I didn't have a choice. I didn't want to live anymore. Hmm. And to get, I hadn't ever gotten to that dark pit as I did February of 2017. And I, not, <laughs> this is going to be now public knowledge, but. I'm not ashamed to say that I wanted to commit suicide. Nobody knew. And a very dear friend who's known me at that point, we'd been friends, best friends for 18 years. She was the only one that I was able to reach out and say, this is where I'm at. She's not a believer at all, um, but she helped me kind of just, just don't do it. You know, you're, you're, I'll be here, at least you have me. And from that point forward, in order for me to deal with my depression, the, the pain that I was going through, whatever it was, um, I started to, to cut myself, dealing with other different ways of trying to deal with the pain. I went through counseling, Christian counseling. To some degree, it helped. And then I realized that this is, this is beyond all of this. And so that's what led me to my road trip last summer and uh, where I was just like, God, I I need you again. It's like my dad passed away all over again, but I just feel like I've lost everybody. I've lost myself. I don't even know who I am anymore. This first Iranian woman who's been credentialed and this whole record-breaking thing that was a big deal, it doesn't matter anymore because I don't even recognize myself anymore. And I needed to just jump start. I needed a fresh start. And so I began last summer. I still had my credentials during all this time. Right. I, and at the same time, I'm going to school full time trying to get my degree. It, was, it wasn't easy, but I'm thankful that God put somebody in my life who wasn't a believer, who wasn't a pastor, who wasn't a counselor, who just listened to me, listened and would check in, and and I say this to anyone who's listening who's struggling: is so just find someone to talk to. Yeah. If, you know, we just need that.
0: There's a, a woman minister in Springfield, Missouri, in the Holy Land. You know, mm-hmm. named uh, Alicia Sholey mm-hmm. She'll never listen to this podcast. She's not that type of person. <laughs> but I heard her say once that the most important thing we can give someone is the present of presence. Yeah. That's always stuck with me. I mean, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's the most. It, it stuck with me so much. I'm sorry that you had to go through that alone. I know what it's like mm-hmm. to go through things like that all by yourself. I wish I could honestly say that I would have been there for you, but God, look at me. You know, Hi. I'm. I, I hate that you went through that, and so I'm glad that you're here with us now. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we are be able to talk through this. And I hope that somebody who may be listening to this would go, yeah, I need to find someone to talk to. Yeah. And, but that's the thing. When I went through some of the darkest times of my life,
2: mm-hmm.
0: nobody reached out. I'm lucky that I, I'm married. I got three kids. So I'm not, I can't be alone. I desperately want to be sometimes. <laughs> so I always have somebody at least checking in on me right. that way. I spent a year and a half out of ministry with no, with my credentials. And then I finally decided that it just wasn't worth it to me anymore. Nobody called, nobody said, Oh, I wonder what, what's up with Eric. Mm-hmm. I just slipped away yeah. and people always made such a big deal of ministers leaving the ministry. Mm-hmm. Like it was a plague, mm-hmm. like it was a disease, mm-hmm. like don't be a statistic, right? Well, we're all statistics in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do it anymore.
2: Right.
0: At that point, who knows what the future holds. I've learned never to say never.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when I went on, I can't officially call it a sabbatical because we don't do those.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> when I spent about three months leaving Chi Alpha before deciding what was next, I thought I might pastor a church go on staff somewhere or become a lead pastor. And I had some good interviews and I had some really weird, bad interviews. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But about six months in, I just decided I was happier not doing it than doing it. And that was a big sign for me Mm -hmm. that the further away I got from spending all my time... Now, I miss certain things, Mm -hmm. obviously. And the the thing I, I think I miss the most isn't the preaching, but the studying for the sermon. Right, Because it's exciting. What I've learned is that, and I always thought that pastors preached out of abundance, but I've learned that we preach best out of lack.
2: Yeah.
0: That the thing that we need to study and learn the most is, are the things that we can spark the most passion and interest in other people because they recognize the vacuum in their own life. Because we're like, hey, this is something I just learned, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: instead of like the sermon that I preached a thousand times, uh, the thing that I know the best. People think that preachers, some preachers do, some preachers only talk about what they know the best. I'm like, learn something new, asshole.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
0: like see what God's telling you right now. Because that, that could be interesting oh, for totally. ever, for all of us. Totally. So anyway, I just, I really feel you. I've gone through some really dark times. Mm-hmm. Is depression one of those things that... I grew up in a church that's like, you know, no Christian should be depressed. Yeah. And so I just felt so isolated because I grew up with depression. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing that's been in my whole, my life my whole life.
2: Yeah.
0: I've never gone to get diagnosed with it because uh, I, I can't afford a pre existing condition. <laughs> you know, insurance would just eat me up. Yep. <laughs> Disregard that, insurance listening people. Um, <laughs> nah, they're not going to listen to this. No one, everyone who's a real asshole doesn't want to change. Um, but I grew up just thinking it was wrong that depression wasn't something that believers should have. So I was like, well, and I always had people like, where's your victory? Where's your joy? Where's your peace? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever truly been happy. I would tell people and they just didn't know what to do with that. And so when I left ministry, I was just in another, I mean, bad things happen and it's good. You know, grieving is different than depression. Mm -hmm. When my wife had a miscarriage a few years back. We grieved. Mm-hmm. It was real grief. It was acute grief. Yeah. But depression is a more dull, long lasting pain. Totally. There's not a sharpness that comes in. It's just, why don't I feel like getting up today? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like eating a whole bag of chocolate chips? Yeah. Why, you know, nothing makes me, everything that makes me feel good for a second makes me feel horrible later. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a real thing. And it's a, it's a thing that we've got to be able to get out in the open, take the band-aid off, let the sunshine and the air yeah. hit and say, Hey, we struggle. Yeah. We go through these things. Would someone please give me the presence of presence? Exactly. So what else do you want to tell me?
1: Please <laughs> just open up about everything. <laughs> everything.
0: I want to know everything.
1: Um, I don't know. Let's see. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, just to touch base on what you said regarding depression in the church, it's just, I hope that other people who are listening, I don't know why I just feel like it's n- n- the need to say this, that it's okay to be depressed. And I think there's a stigma or d- depression is a taboo. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about it. Um, and we need to get okay with talking about it. Yeah. And I, what I... Struggled with, or what I noticed, people struggled when I said, "I'm depressed." They were like, "Oh my God, I what? What do you need?" What do I, what? They just did not know how to respond. What people need to realize is that when someone is struggling, whether they're depressed or anxious or whatever that they're dealing with, that involves their mental health, is they just want someone to listen. You mm-hmm. don't have to do anything. Right. You don't have to say the right words. You don't have to hug. You don't have to do anything. Please don't. don't. Sometimes, yeah, you know? sometimes just please leave me alone, but just listen, mm-hmm. because what we're feeling is no one understands what I'm going through. No one cares and I'm alone. I can't go on like this. And that's what leads And yes, we can turn to God. We pray. I would pray for hours. I would listen to worship songs. I'd be bawling my eyes out in the car listening to worship songs that just, because I I just didn't know what to do with all of this pain, Mm -hmm. you know, and it helped. But at times we need someone tangible. Right. We're looking at them. They're looking at us. And yes, sometimes there's that touch on the shoulder. That's comfort. That's That's where peace starts to roll in and someone cares. Someone gives a damn about me. Yeah. And that is what matters for someone who's struggling. Now, maybe my experience might be different from someone else's, but all I can say is that be present Mm -hmm. for someone. I mean... I can't stress that enough because I know you and I are not the only ones who have gone through this. Right. There's so many, not just ministers, other people out there who have struggling with this, but we choose not to talk about it in the church. We choose not to talk about it in our communities because we don't know how to address it. We don't know how to respond. It's
0: uncomfortable for people. And, you know, we all walk around in our little bubbles and we walk around saying, oh, you know, I'll pray for you. God bless you. Right. And... Okay. My whole ministry has sur- been focused on that, that Mark 12, 30 and 31, love mm-hmm. God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself, which boils down to love God, love people, and don't be an asshole. Right. I don't think that we can sit around saying how much we love God if we're not giving people yeah. the time and the effort, because loving people is where the hard work comes in.
2: Yeah.
0: It's easy to go up to the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's easy. For, for me, there's nothing more spiritual than sitting near the ocean or sitting on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just, that just awakens something within the soul that mm-hmm. is irreplaceable. But it doesn't matter how close I feel to God in those moments if I'm not touching the divine and other people. Yeah. And I'm really not good in relationships. I don't take relationships with me when I move somewhere. I have like one friend in Oklahoma who I'm still like friends with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nobody in Missouri nobody in Texas, right? and when I move from here, someday, hopefully, you know, <laughs> you know with social media and everything now, but yeah. I mean, I'm still friends with my wife and kids because they keep going with me everywhere right. I go. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's kind of how that works, and I'm trying to be better because I recognize that it's the only godly way to live, the only way to connect with God, the divine, with a higher power is to actually connect with the people Mm -hmm. that are also connected to that divine strumming, that thread, um, that music Mm -hmm. that connects us all. Mm -hmm. Um, so with all that in mind, you know, you've gone through hell and back, you've had personal issues with family, with people. I've gone through a lot of the same things. What keeps you coming back to... Why, why do you keep leaning into spirituality?
1: Because even in the midst of all the darkness I went through, I sensed him there. Yes, there were days where I just felt like <laughs> Peter just drowning. I mm-hmm. stepped out, and, but that was my fault because I took my eyes off of him for a moment. I just feel his, every time that I come to him, after everything that I've done, every mistake that I've made, whereas... The church would condemn me as the biggest sin, sinner of all, yet he still is faithful, and he is there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't know. I've just, I just sense his presence. I sense peace and comfort when I do spend time in prayer with him, when I do spend time in worship, or just reading a devotional, listening to some kind of a podcast. Not that I listen to many of them except yours, but <laughs> I sense him there. And I've seen how he's worked throughout my life. And I've seen how faithful he's been to me. I, I just, I can't let go of something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Relationships to me are important. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I work hard. I will do everything I can. Even if I didn't do anything wrong, I will still apologize. Just to make sure that we can keep a relationship going. And with God, yes, I might not see him. I see him in others. I see him in the many trips that I take. I see him in nature and all these things. He is always around me. And that relationship is extremely important to me. Right. So I, as he remains faithful to me, I will always remain faithful to him. Sometimes I feel far, and I think that's more guilt because you know you drift the fo- far because mm-hmm. you've been screwing up a little bit on the side. But, And that's the beauty of his love and his grace yeah. is it's It's endless
0: like I don't know where God's grace ends. you know it doesn't seem like it does, right. People talk about messing up or talking about the sin in their life. I mean, I know that you got to lean into a relationship with God, but man, I'm tired of people always leaning always talking about messing up, like mm-hmm. that drives God away or something. right I'm like it doesn't no I don't know I, I need to unpack a few things in my own my own life. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm reevaluating. not saying I'm changing my beliefs or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm constantly reevaluating based on the evidence that I see in the world and the life and what God seems to be showing me. Like a lot of my dogma, mm-hmm. I'm trying to let go of dogma completely. Mm-hmm. And my doctrine, I'm trying to make fluid. Mm-hmm. And my theology is just love God and don't be an asshole. Right. And you do that. You, you love God, love people, and you love people by just treating them with kindness and yeah. using wisdom and I'm trying my best to lean in to spirituality on a on a constant basis but it's hard it is and it's encouraging to me to sit across from you and hear your story mm-hmm. and you're like hey god's always faithful I'm like but is he though mm-hmm. yeah yeah he is and so you you feel that you feel and that's the great thing about community Mm -hmm. is, and why I wish you would have had more people surrounding you and why I wish more people would have surrounded me is that there's an energy in that community when you're all trying to lean into faith together and that spirituality together and all trying to touch the divine together, that it strengthens it, it encourages it, and Mm -hmm. it makes it, it makes it feel like, Hey, today's going to be okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I definitely want to have like a part three and four with you sometime down the road
1: i'm down i'm always down (laughs) all
0: right because i think we have a lot more to unpack Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we could do a lot of good work anyway hey kids don't be an asshole